Well, if you haven't yet heard the news, the Holy Father appointed Father Joseph Williams as Auxiliary Bishop to the Archdiocese. His ordination will happen January 25th, the Feast of the Conversion of St. Paul. And we had the chance to chat with Bishop-elect last weekend. Visit PracticingCatholicShow.com to listen to the full interview. Joining us this week, we're blessed to have Archbishop Hebda join us for this special Christmas edition of Practicing Catholic, where we'll hear more about Bishop-elect Williams' appointment and also a bit about the Archbishop's favorite Christmas traditions. Who knows? Maybe you'll even find a new tradition to implement into your family. Archbishop Hebda, welcome to the program. We are so grateful to have you join us yet again. Thank you, Patrick. Great to be with you. And thank you. Well, um, lots has happened since our last conversation. We had the privilege, as I've just said, of chatting with Bishop-elect Williams last weekend. What a blessing to have gotten to know him a little bit. What are your initial thoughts, or what were your initial thoughts and feelings once you learned of Father Williams' appointment? Well, I, I just feel, feel so blessed that the Archdiocese will benefit from Bishop-elect Williams' gifts, which are which are extensive. I mean, he's a he's in, incredibly intelligent. He has such great love for the church, for Christ. Um, he's a man of great discernment. I've had the opportunity to admire him and his work at uh, St. Stephen's, uh, but also and now at Holy Rosary, uh, but also from his work as vicar for Latino ministry. So he's already been an important part of our archdiocesan efforts. And uh, so knowing those great gifts that he has, I was just over the moon thrilled when I, I learned that the Holy Father had named him. It gave me one more reason to love Pope Francis, uh, <laughs> that he, he would have chosen somebody uh, so blessed. And I, I really do think it's a, an affirmation uh, for all of the, uh, the priests in the archdiocese and for the archdiocese that, uh, that together that uh, they've produced a, a priest like Father Joseph Williams. And, you know, he has an, he has an amazing family. I always love... Uh, talking to his parents and uh, uh, to his siblings as well. You know that he's uh, going to bring that web of relations, relationships into his ministry always, but that uh, being rooted in, in family and the dynamics there. He's just such a great brother as a priest, and I know he's going to be a great brother as an auxiliary bishop. So I, I, I'm really excited, and obviously when... Um, it had been announced that Bishop Cousins would be going to Crookston. I was concerned. Uh, just I, I enjoyed working with him so much, and uh, he did so much here in the archdiocese, and particularly was able to help me in in so many areas where I might not have all of the gifts. And one of them had to do with uh, Latino ministry. I, I, I love Latino ministry. My uh, Spanish sadly always sounds Italian after all my years <laughs> in Italy. So it's it's nice to, uh, that the Holy Father has chosen as our next auxiliary someone who uh, not only has a heart for Latino ministry and for immigrants and refugees, but also has those uh, incredible language skills. Uh, Father Father Joseph is um, amazing. I, I've always enjoyed watching him interact with his Spanish-speaking parishioners and uh, his sense of evangelization and the ways and inspired his parishioners as well to engage in that work is really noteworthy. So I, 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 I'm, de I'm delighted. So you mentioned uh, Bishop Cousins' uh, departure, and it wasn't very long after Bishop Cousins was installed as Bishop in Crookston that at least and the Archdiocese learned of the appointment of, of Bishop-elect Williams. Um, was it surprising to you that it was that quick? 
Well, I was I was really happy that it happened that way, and okay, I I, I know it always takes a long time uh, for there to be the appointment of an auxiliary bishop. So I I trust that the Holy See had been working on this for a long time, yeah. and um, and and it's just a, a beautiful way in which the Holy Father also uh, shows us uh, where the Holy Spirit seems to be leading our local church because in the choice of an auxiliary bishop. He also, in it, which is, uh, you know, each each auxiliary bishop would have his own set of gifts, and uh, basically, when we're we're given an auxiliary bishop, it gives us an area, I think, for us to move in as an archdiocese. So, I think when I think particular particularly about um, uh, Bishop Elect William's strong background in evangelization, I know that that's going to have to be part of what we're doing moving forward, and. I, I had had the, the benefit just a few weeks back of participating in one of the Synod small group sessions uh, that um, Bishop-elect was sponsoring for both Holy Rosary and St. Stephen. So it was a time for both parishes to be involved. And uh, it was interesting to, to see the way in which um, their, those communities participated. Um, but I, I know that that work of evangelization that's at the heart of what we're doing at the Synod is right in the wheelhouse uh, for Bishop-elect William. So I, I, I'm sure that uh, the Lord's going to use his gifts in that area, but also um, uh, really give us an opportunity to, uh, uh, to move even further in that direction and to ex explore how it is that we can be that evangelizing church that the Lord wants. Right, and that's one of the things we did reflect upon with Bishop-elect Williams, how well it's suited, he seems, especially for some of the focus areas of the Synod and how the Synod is developing uh, over the course of these last years and, and where it's headed as well. So that's a tremendous gift. Um, maybe share a little bit about the role of an auxiliary bishop, because uh, sometimes that's a little confusing to some of us who uh, maybe this is something new or, well, it's not new to us here in our local church, I suppose. But what is the role of an auxiliary bishop? Well, the role of the auxiliary bishop is to assist the, the, the diocesan bishop or archbishop in the tasks that have been entrusted to him. And so, the auxiliary bishop and the bishop are supposed to work as true partners. There should be real respect there based on the, uh, the uh, commonality of the ordination that we will have both received. Um, it's important for us to be able to be of one mind in, in moving forward. You know, one of the things that the, um, the laws of the church generally uh, suggest is that the auxiliary bishop would also be the vicar general. And a vicar general is someone that uh, not only is given certain um, capacities, uh, capabilities, um, but he's also supposed to be somebody who's really an alter ego of the bishop so that you, you share a common vision. So I, I'm looking forward to having that opportunity to uh, really sh share even more deeply um, with bishop-elect and to have that opportunity to uh, uh, together forge that common vision that will give security to our, our local church. But he's very much, the auxiliary bishop is intended to be an extension of the, of the bishop. So to be able to, to be present in those moments, and Bishop Cousins did that so extremely well. Um, those times where I couldn't be present, I and mean, he was so present in our schools, so many of our organizations, so many of our boards, 
And I, I would expect um, uh, Bishop-elect Williams to be able to do that with the same uh, same sense of commitment. And uh, I'm, I'm already um, really excited about uh, what he's going to bring to this ministry. You talk about being present. I did warn him, even during the context of the interview, that part of his role as auxiliary bishop will be to uh, have monthly segments here on Practicing Catholic. And I told him we're looking forward to oh. having him present here as well. Right. Um, Good. He's, he's, he's magnificent. Yeah, yeah. We He gave a great interview, and I do look forward to future conversations with him. Well, with the appointment of new bishop, it seems providential that it's happening right here at the beginning of the liturgical year and uh, the new beginnings that Christmas and the new calendar year bring as well. But uh, let's let's turn our attention to upcoming uh, the Christmas season that's up, up and coming here with all of the great feasts and all the great observations that we do as a church in this celebratory time of year. Uh, I'm just going back to, uh, I think, a conversation we've had already, but um, share with us again some of your favorite Christmas traditions or any new things that you plan on doing this year that maybe you haven't been able to do in recent years. Yes. So Christmas was always a really important time in my family, I think as it is in most uh, Catholic families. And we certainly had, as I've shared with you before, my mother's family was Irish, my father's family was Polish. And so our Christmas was a little bit of a blending of, of both of those traditions, making us very proud uh, both ways. Um, obviously, uh, a good Christmas was always preceded by a good Advent. And so as a child, you know, the Advent calendar was so important to us, and uh, we would uh, always plant um, St. Lucy's wheat on her feast day and, and watch that grow in time for Christmas. Um, always would celebrate St. Nicholas Day, which uh, was a great source of anticipation for a young child waiting for Christmas. Uh, but then as uh, we'd always um, make sure that we um, really entered into that uh, spirit of Advent, so we would always have an Advent wreath at our table um, the candles never seemed to, to last as long as they did in church. Um, we would have some near disasters always, <laughs> uh, but it was still part, part of our life. And then, you know, especially in the Polish tradition, uh, the Christmas Eve uh, celebration was particularly uh, important. And, and so whether it be the foods that we ate or just the solemnity of gathering and, you know, one of the beautiful Eastern European traditions is the sharing of the... Uh, of the opatki, those wafers. and But it was an opportunity to both be reconciled, not that we needed that so much in my immediate family, uh, but to be reconciled and then to wish the best for the other. And that was, as we would share the uh, opatek, that would be the, always the, the message as we wish the other person the best for, the, for Christmas and the new year. And that we also uh, wanted to be at one with them. So uh, any kind of reconciliation that was uh, that was necessary. So we would always uh, have the vigil meal, and um, which was great. And you know, some of the foods are very labor intensive. So even though my mother was Irish, she made the most incredible pierogi. So oh, nice. uh, you know, that was a lot of work. And every every year, she would worry, "Are these going to be good enough?" And they were always uh, terrific. Uh, but she also made, uh, from her own tradition too, some wonderful uh, bread. So we would always have Christmas bread that was that was magnificent, and uh, and just the the whole meal was great. And then, 
uh, we would usually go out uh, for uh, a ride in uh, to, to look at Christmas lights. And especially um, when I was a child, many of the areas would put out luminaria and um, which is, a, you know, you had, <laughs> it was always a little bit risky in Pittsburgh with the winds that were there, but you had all of these paper sacks that were out there filled with sand and candles, but it was beautiful in that my mother would always remind us that it was to welcome the Christ child. You know, the Irish tradition is to always put a candle in the window to welcome the Christ child and that the luminaria uh, in the Latino context uh, or the, in the Southwest was a way of doing much the same. So we would always do that and then come back and, and share some, some gifts uh, among the family and then uh, prepare for midnight mass. And I think from the, I can't remember if I was able to serve midnight mass in fourth grade, but certainly from fifth grade on, that was always a, a big deal to be able to uh, be present and the, the mass was magnificent. The music was spectacular. We, we were in a large parish. I bet you there would have been 40 altar servers. And it wow. was fun going from the, uh, not that I ever grew all that much, Patrick, but as, as I aged, right? So different roles. And when, when you were a young fourth or fifth grader, you just had to look pretty. <laughs> and you didn't have to do any work, just didn't make mistakes. But but then progressively, you know, going all the way up through high school, getting more responsibilities, but but really loving that that Christmas uh, liturgy. And so for us, that was great. And then Christmas morning would, would welcome people to our, our home. And then it was, uh, once again, kind of like with an Eastern European ham and um, wonderful horseradish. And, and my mother would um, bribe us. Uh, to eat this concoction of beets mixed with horseradish. And we would never let her know that we actually liked it because then we wouldn't get the bribe. But, right. <laughs> but one of the nice traditions that my that my mom had introduced um, when I was very little is that we would be asked to give some gift to the Christ child. So something that we got out of our stocking or something that we had received, uh, we would be asked to to take to the, to the manger scene in our parish and and physically to to leave that there um, as a as a gift for um, uh, for the Christ child, hoping that the pastor would give it to somebody in need. Huh? But it was a nice way of reminding us of the uh, the the giving part of it, keeping Christ at the center. Uh, for that, I I'll, I will always be grateful. So I always when I I'm delighted that we have midnight mass still at the cathedral here in St. Paul. We'll all have the chance to celebrate that, but every time I, I think back to those memories from my my home parish, and um, and then the many parishes that I served as a as a priest. I had um, for a, sh uh, a few years, I was at a merged parish um, on the south side of Pittsburgh, where the parish uh, the previous parishes had been strongly ethnic, and so we had tried to maintain those customs, and so whether it be at the Slovak parish or the, um, the Polish parish, listening to the, the carols, you know, the Polish kalendi, the Christmas carols are, are just spectacular. There's a, mm. uh, a lullaby to baby Jesus that is my, my, my very favorite. Mm. And uh, so I, I love going to um, either St. Casimir's here. Um, I'll try to sneak in before they have their, their uh, 10 o'clock mass. Um, or at Holy Cross uh, at some point, just to listen to those uh, Christmas carols that were so important to us. I 
remember my um, my my grandparents were from Poland, and um, but my grandfather had died before I was born. My grandmother was still there, but we, uh, even though we didn't learn much in the way of language, we had to learn the Polish Christmas carols. And I remember to have to uh, my my father would write them out phonetically so that mm-hmm. we'd be able to memorize them. Mm-hmm. That was a big deal to be able to sing one of the Polish carols for the first time. Well, I won't ask you to sing. Nice. Uh, yeah, right. I won't ask you to sing here on the show, but uh, but I'm grateful for that. Actually, you've set us set up the rest of the show very nicely, Archbishop, as we're going to be continuing to talk about uh, favorite Christmas songs and that sort of thing. But uh, believe it or not, we've reached the end of our time already. So I'm wondering if you would give us your blessing and any any one word of, of encouragement and hope for our listeners as we enter into this Christmas season. Yes, Patrick, well, be assured of, of my prayers. We've been through a, a difficult year, but we know uh, that's the great focus of Christmas is that uh, Jesus is Emmanuel, God is with us. So in the midst of the struggles that we have, that Jesus is always there in our midst. And he, when we keep our eyes fixed on him, as did Mary and Joseph, that we have that uh, the hope of uh, being led forward as well. So that's the great blessing of Christmas. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, descend upon you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen. Yeah, very good. Archbishop, always a pleasure. Blessed Christmas to you too. Thank you for your leadership and God bless you in the coming year. Thank you for your prayers. Thanks. All right. Well, it's always good to hear from Archbishop Hebda, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is. Well, after that wonderful interview, we are going to turn our attention to the music. So stay with us on the other side of this quick timeout. It's time for some Christmas music indeed. We have some great tunes and commentary lined up. So stay with us. Mm-hmm. 